21 weeks in the stories of Acts, in case you've been counting, and it's been quite an excellent ride. We've been learning from texts and stories that we don't often get around to, and spending time with stories intentionally doing a little bit more theological reflection. And maybe you've passed through these stories a hundred times in your Bible reading, but we've been able to do some extra work and wonder with them in the past several weeks. And we've been praying for the Spirit of the Lord to push and shape and energize us. Those are the words that we've been repeating all summer and fall. The Spirit pushing and shaping and energizing us in our journeys of faith. And I want to come back to those three words a bit later, but for now, let's plunk ourselves alongside Paul. He finds himself confined by the powers of the Roman Empire yet again. And the Empire in these days is a ruthless, evil villain, Emperor Nero. This is the kind of ruler who goes in the history books as having killed his mother, having killed or accidentally killed his first and second wives, And of course, he was not fond of Christ followers. He found ghastly ways to kill Christians, to humiliate them, to shame them, whether it be fire or wild beasts or crucifixions. He would make a spectacle of these Christians as a warning sign for all who might fight back against the empire. And Nero's new governor in today's story is Porcius Festus. And so he knows he needs to keep Nero Nero happy, and he also has to balance so many other things, uh, also keeping the Jewish people appeased. So he's balancing territories and uprising. He's managing economics and religious allegiances, all the while not wanting to set off this bloodthirsty emperor. So Paul is in a prison in Caesarea, That's about 90 kilometers northwest of Jerusalem. And he's been in prison for two years. He's writing, he's proclaiming, he's still living faithfully to the good news of Jesus. And with the change of governors moving from Felix to Festus, the religious chief priests kind of have another run at it. And so they complain to Festus about Paul. And Festus convenes a hearing with Paul and Paul flatly denies all the accusations being laid against him. I have in no way committed an offense against the law of the Jews, against the temple, or against the empire. So Festus ends up in a bit of a quandary. As the new governor, does he gift Paul to Jerusalem and keep those religious power brokers in his back pocket? Or does he push Paul on to the Roman Empire. And in the end, Paul stays in Caesarea, and it's the will of the empire, but might we also say it's also the will of God? And Paul is decreed by Governor Festus to be destined for Rome. That destined for Rome piece is important, because what's the big deal going on in this Seemingly ordinary story, why, like, Paul getting his way, that's nice, and then Paul getting put in the queue for a sailing journey to Rome? 
What matters? What gives? What's at stake? Who's in control? Who's really in charge here? And the the answer is back to last week's text in Acts 23.11. The answer is, the answer always is, Jesus! Come on. Isn't that always the answer? It's often the answer. The answer is Jesus. Remember from last week when Paul was in that um, prison cell and he'd just been beaten and bruised? And Anne challenged us to take courage. Because that's what Jesus told Paul in that prison cell. Paul's weary and he's worn out, but he sees and hears Jesus. The Lord stood near and said, Keep up your courage, Paul. For just as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must bear witness also in Rome. So that's God's plan. The decree of Festus queuing up Paul for this final voyage to Rome is divine will plus human authority, both happening at the same time. And that ought to be good news for us today because we're offered this way of wisdom, this way of encouragement from this story. Because we live in a time and a season where there is so much anxiety. So many people stressed, nail-biting over powers and persuasions and judicial hearings and upcoming rulings and sentencings. So the hope for us is we believe in a God and a way and a Lord who says to us, we've got this. You are not alone. Keep on speaking of me and living faithfully. And there's a hundred ways for us to get distracted from that call, that call to keep the main thing the main thing. But when we think of all the stories we've heard over the past few months, we think of Paul and Barnabas and John Mark and Peter and Lydia and Priscilla in the midst of their ordinary, sometimes extraordinary stories. We see and hear them as eager, fledgling, surprising people, Jesus followers. Sometimes people who were really nobodies and not mattering for much, but keeping the main thing the main thing. And for today's story and for the many stories that we've heard over the past several weeks, the main thing is speaking of Jesus and living faithfully. Speaking of Jesus and living faithfully. So for Paul in this present moment, in his circumstances as a prisoner, In the Roman Empire, he's not mounting a big movement to bust him out of jail, but instead he's simply stating his case. He's speaking truth to power, humbly but passionately, and he's living faithfully to the call of Jesus upon his life, that call that turned his life upside down. So let's return to those words, pushing, the spirit pushing and shaping and energizing. 
Those are words that we've repeated during so many of these stories in Acts. The Holy Spirit pushing us or shaping us anew, or energizing us just like he energized this unlikely crew of Jesus' followers throughout the stories of Acts. These people turning their neighborhoods and their cities upside down and going to the ends of the earth with this message of a risen Jesus who's shaking up the systems of power and oppression through the ways of love and justice and hope. How are the ways of love, justice, and hope playing out for us these days? I appreciated Colin's prayer this morning that had so many of those themes um, weaving through it. How is love, justice, and hope playing out in our midst in these days? This is our second last sermon in the Acts of the Apostles. So just want to give us some extra time to think, what does it mean for us to be in on the action of Acts? This pushing, this shaping, this energizing that takes us into this winter season. And like I've said over the past weeks, it's not about you getting gold stars on your performance chart for Jesus. This is not a wagging finger. This is not do more, be more, prove yourself more. But it is putting ourselves beside people like Paul in whatever mundane or ordinary or maybe intriguing circumstances you're in these days and listening for the voice of Jesus, saying to us, we've got this. You're not alone. Keep on speaking of me and living faithfully. So for 15 or 20 seconds, can you reflect on a story of your life where you are speaking of Jesus or living faithfully? Speaking of Jesus, living faithfully. I mean, just the fact that you got out of bed this morning or you're joining us on live stream and wanting to be a part of a worshiping community, that's living faithfully. So don't be too hard on yourself because you're already there in lots of ways. But just some extra pause seconds to think about speaking of Jesus and living faithfully. When I was reflecting on this this past week, I thought of Anne Magnuson. And many of you know Anne because she is an Indigenous elder who's a part of our church and has been a part of our worshiping community for 25 years. And she's been teaching us about this journey of reconciliation. And whether it's been through smudging prayer ceremony or through listening circle, She has been a vital part of our journey forward over the past five or six years. And she gave me permission to share this story because she's very humble. Um, But she's been placed in some really surprising places in the past month. And um, it turns out that Anne is one of the few 
maybe two or three indigenous elders who worships and leads in her Canadian Baptist congregation across Canada. And so that's a real gift to us, uh, her doing this work of reconciliation and sharing her story in our church. And so on September 30th, as part of CBM, Canadian Baptist Ministries Service of Reflection and Reconciliation, Anne was invited to lead the opening smudge ceremony. And we did that right in our chapel, and Pastor Jeremy helped facilitate that. And it just so happened we had 20 of our youth group in the chapel as well that morning. And so to a live stream of 350, 375 people across Canada, and had this unique opportunity to model and teach in authentic and inspiring ways of how she had grown in her connection with her indigenous faith practices and her Christian faith over the past 30 years. And then in a seminar about 10 days ago with the Alliance of Baptists, primarily American Baptist churches, again hosted by First Baptist Church out of our little chapel, and led about 100 people in an online smudging and prayer service, and then shared her story. And if you've heard her story, it's very humble but powerful. The story of how God has sustained her and strengthened her as a residential school survivor, and how the Spirit has provided miraculous opportunities for her to share her life story and share about the life of Jesus that has accompanied her all these years. She often says, I would have never imagined that God would provide an opportunity like this for me. But then she goes on to say, but I'm so encouraged and hopeful because I sense that a change is happening in the future. What a great story of the Spirit of God using ordinary people for amazing work. The Spirit shaping and energizing us, not because we're spectacular or trying to win the applause or ovation of adoring fans, but we, as ordinary, humble human beings like Anne, praying, watching, waiting, and when God says, walk in this way, being faithful to say, yes, Jesus, I believe you are with me. I'll keep up my courage and trust you to help me. So as we reflect on our own stories of God's faithfulness, might we be encouraged and give thanks. And our hymn for the journey today is, Be Thou My Vision. And maybe you'll take a phrase from that hymn, or maybe you'll look at your order of service. I didn't bring one up with me. And you'll carry a prayer or maybe another hymn. Some words have jumped out to you and captured your heart. But use those hymn phrases. Use the prayers that we've shared in today as a way to keep on speaking of Jesus as a way to keep on living faithfully.
My favorite stanza in Be Thou My Vision is, um, Thou with me always, and let me get this right, (laughs) Be Thou My Vision, Be Thou My Wisdom, and Thou My True Word, I ever with Thee, and Thou with me, Lord. That companionship phrase in Be Thou My Vision. It echoes Paul's prayer and Paul's heart when he wrote that letter to the Romans and said, if God is for us, who can be against us? No powers nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, we believe we are not alone. And we will go forth again with your message of love and justice and hope this week. And we take courage from those promises that we heard in Matthew, where Jesus says, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age.